0: I want to remind you that God's greatest desire is you. God absolutely is head over heels in love with you. He desired you and loved you so much, the Father gave his son Jesus to pay the price for your debt. What was your debt? Sin. This puts you not only in a relationship, but in a position of a son and or a daughter. I want you to just understand that. Let it sink in that you are a son or a daughter of God. You are, if you believed in Christ Jesus, what he did for you is absolutely wonderful. You are joint heirs with Christ joint heirs with Christ. All this, church family, was done by grace. So the question is, and the confusion is, in the body of Christ, everybody that's listening online, is what is grace? What is grace? How can we live in this lifestyle of grace? This series I'm starting today is living a grace-filled life, I believe is going to answer many of your questions. And through the weeks and months, the Holy Spirit will begin to just unfurl things to you that you never thought of before because you are seeking God like you've never had before. And I am proud of you. Matter of fact, I am having a blast this summer watching the church, watching you. So I'm going to brag on you. This summer, again, has been awesome. We began again after all the COVID, I won't use any other terms, stuff, OSL. And it was absolutely successful. The room was full. We had VBS, many, many, many volunteers and the Kingdom Kids team. I'm proud of you. Kids' lives were changed because this church realizes family and children are important. Our youth got involved. The decorating, and I normally don't do this, but I just need to, uh, uh, Stephanie, you did that balloon arch, and I, I sat. I sat in that room, and I looked up. and I said, "What in the? How beautiful that was! The talent of this congregation. The things that you do. She did it all a volunteer. She provided everything. We'll we'll take care of it. We'll pay for it. No, no, no. I want to do that. That's my ministry. Man, I'm proud of you, Stephanie." and so many others. The men's breakfast that we've already had, we're going to have on the 26th. Men, I want you to realize when you come together, there's power. And I'm not just talking about physical power, even though we're strong. God made us that way. But there's a spiritual power that happens when men gather together. And guys, I want every one of you to be there on the 26th. And uh, we're going to do some special things, and uh, the Holy Spirit just this morning, about 3.30, just kind of gave me a game plan of some things uh, that I want to share with the men's leadership. So the men's breakfast. Dr. Mila, you and your husband have been such a blessing to the spiritual strength of this church, and I want you to recognize that we, we do, with all the others that have inputted into our church, um, I want you to realize that um, I can't do what I do without people like yourselves. And I want to thank you. Can you give them a great hand? With everything going on, the busyness of life and the busyness of trying to spend time with your, your families on vacation, the ushers, you have just gone the extra mile. Uh, you're doing extra things the security team you've gone the extra mile you've stayed you've helped you've you know your security you're watching but you're you're there helping guiding directing uh powerful staff you've gone the extra mile um just amazing um, the men 's leadership team uh forged uh you guys are amazing you guys just really I watched you even Saturday morning when I went into the kitchen watching you guys joking around, laughing, but I want to tell you, it was spiritual joy that was taking place. And that rubs off on other men and young men especially. The shepherd elders and the council, thank you. Our worship team has just absolutely grabbed the hold of what the Holy Spirit has been telling us as a church and you have absolutely heard the voice of God, and you are doing the job that God literally has said. And I want you to know that God's going to um, just put a greater anointing on you, and people are going to hear of who you are in a greater realm, and you will be involved a lot more in a lot of other things, penetrating the darkness of of what the darkness in our cities that are there. Amen. Last of all, for the Holy Spirit who has anointed all of us to succeed, because that's the expression of the love of God, has anointed you to succeed in this life. So what's so amazing about grace let me give you why I believe, again, why the Lord has asked me to teach on grace. You might say, well, you know, Pastor, I, I know grace. I've been saved a long time, and I know I'm saved by, by grace through faith. But I believe the Lord is really trying to um, get us into a recognition uh, of these things, these doctrines that we've talked about. The last series was on worship. And worship is is literally a doctrine. It is something that is spoken of in the Word of God by God for us to walk in to be worshipers. But he's also uh, wanting us to be able to live our lives with this amazing grace. Look around you. How many people don't know the grace of God and don't understand the grace of God? When I was studying, I I stopped, and and I did something. I came back, and and as I was walking to my desk, um, the Holy Spirit just kind of nudged me with this thought. How many believers live with a sense of shame and condemnation and fear and a failure? Oh, I know grace. I know faith. But they're living with shame, condemnation, and fear and failure. Or, how many believers are performance oriented and perfection driven? Perfection driven is a negativity of someone who really does things well, administrative and stuff like that. But to be perfection driven. Is a negativity of that that can create all kinds of, I'll just say it, health problems. How many in our congregation or listening online or will hear this in other nations? How many have a father wound? How many have a mother wound? How many live discouraged? and in that discouragement become depressed because they feel like they never measure up in their minds. When the Holy Spirit began to really talk to me about these things, my desire in this series really began to happen is I want us to understand how amazing grace really is because understanding real grace will release you from so many things that have brought you into bondage in your life, bondage in areas of your life. There is such a misunderstanding on grace And there's a lot of people that that get it, that are walking in it. I understand that. But if you are one that feels like you get it, you walk in it, you understand it, all that, I want you to recognize maybe that someone next to you doesn't. And they need you to be praying. And I'm just going to say this. Can I be straight? And not get cocky about your spirituality. Because people really need the revelation of grace. And that's what, not knowing that brings them into a place in their life where they really do not have identity, the correct identity. That's why we call our youth ministry identity. As Jack and Lisa Taylor, who are the overseers, the leaders, the pastors, the counselors of Identity, their heart was to really let people know what Jesus did for you. And that's what it's about as they sit up in the balcony. So here is a description of grace by those who do not, don't understand grace. And I want to say to you, it is a deception. So let me give you a little Example, they say grace is like the oars on a boat. We are in the boat and there is a current that is pulling us towards hell and God has provided us oars. That's his grace. If we keep rowing, we will get to heaven. If we keep rowing, we'll get to the place where God wants us to be. That's the way many think about grace. But if we ever quit, quit what? Rowing? We go to hell. And life goes to hell. That story is not grace. That story is amazing you. You trying to make it happen you trying to make all things work together for good. That's not grace, that's works. Let me just say it this way. Between you and God, God is the one that's amazing. Between me and God, God is the one that's amazing. Amazing. And I would rather live my life based on who God is and what God has done for me than what I can do. There were a hundred pastors that were polled, and they were asked the question, "What is grace?" Over 90 percent answered with a typical statement, "Unmerited favor. Hold this thought but only a few said divine enablement. Divine enablement. Now remember the question asked, it was this, what is grace? Those that answered divine enablement, let me ask you, are they right? Or are they wrong? Divine enablement. I want to tell you, according to grace, their answer Divine enablement is 100% wrong. I respect the office of the pastor. I stand it. I was and oversaw hundreds of pastors. But they are 100% wrong. What I'm going to show you, through the word of God, I'm going to be 100% right. Don't be offended with that statement because we got to get to a place in our lives when we walk in life and life deals us stuff and we begin to make assumptions that we think is the word of God of things and then it becomes a doctrine. It becomes something so strong that whatever is said to, the, uh, to us that we can't uh, listen to it and say, oh, no, 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 this, this is what I believe. Well, I want to tell you the work of the cross is what God decided, and it was by grace, and it doesn't matter what I decided about the cross because God made the plan, and God did it and said at the end, it's finished. It's done. Okay, so follow, follow my thought. All right, so the question is, why are they 100% wrong then? Again, the question was, what grace is? They didn't ask what grace does. In order to understand grace and what it does through us, we have to understand what grace is. You follow that thought? Okay, when you, you know, most of us, when you buy something, you get directions in the box, You go by the directions. Some of us never go by the directions. But the reality is, is God said it. God taught it. And Paul, again, 75% of his teaching is basically on this concept of grace. So hear me out. One of the aspects of grace, that it does divinely enable us to live a new life in Christ. But listen to that. It does enable us to live a new life in Christ. But it is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. Let me say that again. It is, grace is, not what it does, grace is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. So let's unpack the three words. What are the three words again? Unmerited, undeserved, and unearned. First one, unmerited. In Ephesians chapter two, if you could quickly turn to that, or click on your tablet, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. We're going to begin to uh, tear this apart, but what what I'm telling you, we're taking a couple months on this subject. We're going to cover different aspects of grace, but we're going to stick with grace here because I want to deliver us, the body of Christ, the whole body of Christ, from what we think it does instead of knowing what it is. Because if we don't know what it is, what we do will be skewed and deception will come in. This is so important because this is such a huge area of our walk with God. This allows you, grace allows you to walk through tribulation with joy because you know grace. You know God, you know who he is and what grace is. Verse eight, by grace you have been saved through faith. Then it says, and that not of yourselves. So I want you to understand, there was nothing you could do to get salvation. It was done for you. I'll show you what you have to do to get it, to have it in your life. In other words, it wasn't your rowing that did it. It's not gonna be your rowing in life that's gonna take you to heaven. It's not gonna be your rowing in life that's gonna take you to all the wonderful gifts that God has, past tense, given It is not of yourself. So the life that I live is not of myself. I'm going to say it, it's what God graced me with. Verse 8 continued. It is the gift of God. Verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, please hear me out. There will be no boasting in heaven. There is a lot of boasting on earth, though. But there will be none in heaven. When you get to heaven, you're not going to say, I kept rowing, and that's why I'm here. You know why? Stop it, Gary. I'm going to get emotional here. Because the first time you see see the nail scars in his wrists and his feet, you're going to point to Jesus and say, that's why I'm here. That's why I have the life that I can live. Living a grace-filled life. You're in heaven because of Jesus. It is unmerited. Grace is. What is amazing is when you got saved, you knew it was unmerited because you knew where you came from. But 20 years later, after all the good things you've done, somehow we think we've gotten a little closer to his goodness, in our own goodness. Isaiah 64, 6 says this, Even our righteousness is of filthy rags. Amen. And when we get to the place that we're not offended with stuff like that, statements like that from Scripture, is then we're going to really start to get what grace is. You know, you you, you get the, the yeah buts. Yeah, but doesn't it say, yeah, but... Pastor Bradford, one of my mentors, Beverly lives in Georgia, his wife, used to say, goats butt, but sheep follow. So again, the best things about you is still not even close to the worst thing about God. And let me tell you, there's nothing that's worst about God. He's good. So what a real father does, they take care of it when you do something stupid. Follow me with this thing called stupid. Has anyone ever done anything stupid in life? All right. What a real father does is he takes care of it and i want to tell you doesn't matter what stupid thing you've done in life you're a joiner with jesus christ that's grace that's what it is that's what it is but how many of you right there went back to the old statement of your old understanding of grace and say, yeah, I don't think I can attain that because you don't know what I used to be or what I used to do. Let me just tell you, that's a slap in God's face because his grace is sufficient. Amen. Y'all gonna like this series because this is just the introduction. Grace covers a multitude of sins, Scripture tells us. So I'm trying to tell you grace covers a multitude (laughs) of stupid sins. Amen. The question is, if you've done something stupid, are you now beginning to understand (laughs) and be glad for what I'm telling you what grace is? So first, grace is unmerited. Second thing about grace is grace is undeserved. You don't deserve it. Well, pastor, what about you? You think, I don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. We didn't deserve it then when we were taken out of our sin by confessing Jesus Christ as Lord, and then we don't deserve it now. No matter all the grace. I just bragged on all of you. You guys are awesome. But you you don't deserve the grace. You can't be good enough for it. Even though we're leaders, we saw the great group of people up front here. Even though we're teachers, on and on, marketplace, business people that are funding ministries. It's not good enough to be able to receive what God did for you and what grace is. Because let me just give you a little secret we'll learn later on. Grace is God. Like love is God, grace is God. Romans 3.24 says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. <laughs> so now let's dig a little bit deeper in, in this introduction. Let's look at the, gra- the word grace in the Greek. Now the English pronunciation is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. It's actually pronounced haris like ha Reese. Now I know people have named their daughters Karis, so don't go home and call them Haris, all right? Kharis is fine. But Haris does mean unmerited favor of God. So let me explain. This word was a cultural word before it was a scriptural word. So the Holy Spirit chose a cultural word to express the grace of God because when you understand the cultural word and the meaning of it in culture of the day, then what you're gonna see is the perfect picture that takes place with grace. So the culture meaning is this, and we've all done this, okay? It is, implied a a benevolent gift from a superior to an inferior. In the culture, when someone superior in wealth or in goods saw someone who was in need or inferior of goods would make sure that they would receive the goods. Again, not as a person, but inferior in goods. The superior gave a gift to someone inferior in goods, and that was called grace or haris. So when you go and you give someone, because you work, you have extras, and you go and give someone who does not, you are gracing them you are haris a cultural thing now listen to me carefully because this might shock some of you in the culture it really involved three groups of people three parties three persons in the action of grace and a lot of times when you when you do this you think of of two today that you had it, you gave it. All right? But understand the culture and how this worked. The person giving and the person receiving, but it didn't, the names of the three persons from the Greek translated into English in as I'm just going to share with you. The person providing the goods was called the patron. The patron. The person receiving the goods was called the client. Sounds like business. Where do you think business uh, process came from? It came from Scripture. It came from biblical times, and, and Scripture has used that. All right? So let, let's, let's go on. So you got the, the person providing the goods was a patron. person receiving the goods is called the, the client. In the cultural Greek, those were the meanings, patron and clients. Now, the example, the patron owned a shoe store. He wants to provide shoes for some children in an orphanage. The children would be the clients. So the question is, who would be the third person? The third person or every transaction there was the third person. The third person was called the broker, was called the broker. Now, this is who the broker was. The broker would go out into the community and see the needs of the inferior, the client, and bring the inferior together with the superior who had the goods. Are you starting to see the story here? So the brokers were the ones who actually paid for the merchandise. Let me say it again. The broker would go out into the community and see the needs of the inferior, people in need, and bring the inferior together with the superior, the one with the goods. The brokers were the ones who actually paid for the merchandise. I said that twice because I want you to grab it. If it was 20 pairs of shoes, the broker paid for them. The patron provided it, the clients received it, but the broker paid for it. That sound familiar? The broker is Jesus Christ. Jesus brought us together with the Father, but he also paid fully for us. Because of the work of Christ, now we have relationship with the Father. And he's the one, Jesus, the broker, that paid the price for our sin. Amazing how the Holy Spirit used that word in the Greek text. So, quite a few years back, I received a letter from the bank regarding my house in North Carolina. It said, paid in full. And what Jesus did is he paid in full. That is the reality of grace, paid in full. You don't do anything. So it's unmerited, undeserved, and here's the third word, it's unearned. Romans eleven six says, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace otherwise work is no longer work <laughs> so let's substitute grace and works with the words free and earned because we receive the free gift of god at salvation romans 3:24 says being justified by grace through the redemption that is in christ jesus so if it's free it's not earned and, and, and I get this, all right? We've been raised in church and we hear grace. We hear what salvation is all about. And Pastor, I, I know that's for others because I really get this. I'm asking you, do you really get this in your life? What grace is? So if it's free, it's not earned. Again, otherwise, free is not free. If it's earned, it's not free. So we need to decide what he is saying. Grace is either free or it's earned. And how many Christians today are struggling in life with depression, all kinds of things, because they're trying to earn what was free? And we already understood in the last series, saved, saved isn't just being able to go to heaven. So-so. It is a wholeness spiritually and physically and emotionally. So everything that is of that is free. It's unearned. You can't do anything in life to bring it to you, the fullness of it. So we need to decide. And if it's grace... Then he said, It's not earned. If it's a gift, you cannot earn the gift. The gift was paid for. It wasn't paid for by you, but paid for by Jesus, the broker. You were the client. The Father had the goods. The Bible says, All good things come from the Father above. (laughs) I'm seeing lights just going. This is cool, Pastor. All right, why is that? Because I want you to live a grace-filled life. I want you to begin walking in the power and the anointing and the identity that God has called you to. Now, let me show you a definition that'll just blow you away about grace. Grace. It's from the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. It says, Grace is the dimension of divine activity that enables God to confront human indifference and rebellion with an inexhaustible capacity to forgive and to bless. (laughs) Inexhaustive. In other words, it's all there. Everything you need is there. It's free. So the question, have you ever received a birthday gift from someone? What do you do? You say, "Thank you. That was so nice of you." Then they walk up to you a little bit later and say, "That'll be $100, please." Right? What would you do? That's what we do to God all the time. That's what we do all the time. And we tell people, if you don't do if you don't, if you don't do then you're and we we bind people up. We bind ourselves up because we're accusing people of things that are not true. Even though we love them. All right. Now, years ago, notice my kids are getting older. Years ago, my kids would walk up to me and say, Happy birthday, Daddy. And they'd give me a gift. And I'd open it up, and it's a really nice gift. A little bit later, I'll ask my wife, How much did I have to pay for this gift? <laughs> right? Yeah. They stopped doing that about a year ago, though. No, I'm Mr. Kidd. <laughs> I love my kids. See, when you open up these gifts from God, how much did this cost me? What does it cost you? It was free. But you have to live in it. Understand that. You have to live in it. If you don't know what it is, it's hard to live in it, and it becomes works to earn it. But it's unearned. You can't earn it. You live in it because of relationship. It's free. It's done. It's there for you to walk in it. Now, we're going to get a lot deeper in this. This is just introduction. But I want you to know, folks, do you realize how much you have to work with that's free, that God's already given you? In our world, people argue about grace you never heard of. And I'm going to show you. Um, I've been in meetings where people were bringing up all these uh, Tertullian grace, Augustinian grace, Pelagian grace. Some of you may have heard of these. Calvinism, Arminianism. We still have leaders in the body of Christ arguing about grace today. I'm not here to argue with you. I'm trying to tell you God's right. And I'm teaching you what he said. So what do I think about grace? My answer is this, very simply. I was lost, but now I'm found. Let me just say this to you. You were lost, but now you are found. And it's free. That's grace. That's God. I'm going to just read to you a little bit of a story. And um, it's a picture of grace and just the action of a father with his son. And and the the gifts, the goods that were given, and the ability by other people to provide everything that was needed. It's about a father and son, son named Rick and Dick Hoyt. Some of you may have heard the story. Rick was born with the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. Because of the oxygen was cut off to his brain for a while, he had never been able to walk or to talk. But they found out as he was growing up that Rick was extremely intelligent and was trying to communicate. So Dick and Judy, his mother taught him the alphabet even though he could not talk uh, by using his eyes. In 1973, uh, when I was a freshman in, in high school, Think about the technology back then. A group of engineers invented a computer for him where he could move a cursor with his eyes and highlight letters and then bump something on the computer like a mouse and speak words for the first time. Now today, of course, you know, it's advanced, but it's still used today for the people in the same predicament. They invented it for the young man, and out of that invention for the young man, many other people through the years have received blessings because of that. When he was 15, one of his classmates was in a huge auto accident and became paralyzed. And so there was a flyer, paper, advertisement. They were going to run a 5K race to raise money for him. Rick, through the computer, Tapping letters, he said, I want to run in that race and help my friend. His dad, who was not a runner, began to train so that he could push his son in a wheelchair in that race. After the race, he said to his dad, that's the first time in my life that I did not feel handicapped. So his dad continued to train. Through the years, they ran in 72 marathons and 255 triathlons through 2014 when Dick, the father, passed away. Now, triathlons, if you don't know, are 2.4 miles of swimming, 26.2 miles of running, 112 miles of biking. When Dick swims, Rick is pulled by Dick in a little raft. When Dick cycles, Rick is in a seat on the front of the bike. And when Dick runs, Rick is in a chair and Dick is pushing him. Think about grace in this story. I'm the young man in the chair. Everything I have done is because the Father has been pushing me and pulling me and carrying me. You are Rick. God is pushing you pulling you and carrying you because you can't do it. All he's asking you to do is just let him put you in the chair. How do you do that? Here it is. By believing. By believing in your heart Jesus Christ went to the cross and died. And on the third day, he rose from the dead with total victory, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And because of that, I can live in that relationship. But in that relationship, I can live a grace-filled life. God has provided. All things. It is by grace, through faith, believing. The problem is, is I want to keep getting out of the chair and doing it my way. I want to keep doing all this stuff for for me because you know, I, hey, I've been I've been in ministry forty five years. I know this stuff. All he is asking you again is just let him put you in the chair by believing. I'm going to ask if you would go ahead and stand with me, please. If you bow your heads and close your eyes, this is the finality of this this day in church. I want to help you in my prayer to get you back in the chair. You're here today for a specific reason. There are reasons why you're here. Whether it's spiritual, emotional, or physical. Will you get into the chair? Will you allow... Grace to be sufficient. Maybe some that are here or watching online. Maybe you need to get back in the chair or maybe in the chair for the first time. It's by believing that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life there's anyone here I, I can't see in people's living rooms or wherever they're watching other churches but if you're here and keep your, your eyes closed but if you're here and you have not gotten into that chair of salvation in other words you have not confessed Jesus Christ as Lord just if you would for me if you just raise your hand today and say I want to do that today I'm looking. Okay, thank you. I see those two hands. Young men are becoming men of God. Keep your eyes closed and your head down. That just explains something to them. It is not about works. You just believe that Jesus Christ died for you and your sins will be forgiven by you believing and receiving Christ. And so to the young men, and if I missed you, I didn't see your hand, just do that today. Do that now, very quietly. We, we don't, you know, everybody doesn't need to see you at that time. But if you would after, just go up to the front, and tell someone that you did that. If you're watching online, I'm looking straight at the camera. If you're watching online and that's you, either, maybe you're not in church right now because you got out of the chair and you tried to do it yourself and the enemy just beat you up. And now you hate the church, you hate life. And I'm telling you, get back in that chair, that's all going to turn around and it will turn around quickly. Jesus Christ is Lord. Do the same that I ask these young men. Or if you're a Christian, you're mad at God, get back in the chair. Watch his grace become sufficient for you. Can you all look at me now here in the sanctuary? Again, I am absolutely overwhelmed, proud of what you are doing in your life. But I want you to understand again, this is one of my statements. I got this from Wayne Cadero years, years ago. He said, God is more concerned about what you're becoming, not what you are doing. Because if you become what God has gifted you, your gifts, your call, your life, walking in His ways, then you will do what I bragged about today, about the congregation, what you're doing. Because you stopped rowing. And now you're sitting in the easy chair of grace. (laughs) Watching the vision of God in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. I proclaim a blessing over you, breakthrough that is just absolutely overwhelming, that today is the first day of the rest of your life, and you're going to succeed because God said, I give you my grace, and it is sufficient. God bless you. Guys, sign up for the men's breakfast. We'll see you soon. God bless you.